This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharuddin and this is Gigi Wellplayed, BFM's video game show. After a long-drawn battle, Microsoft has emerged as a winner in their court battle against the Federal Trade Commission of the US. This means that their deal to acquire Activision Blizzard will proceed as planned. We're going to break it down from a legal perspective into this show. But before that, here's a recap of some of the biggest news in the industry with Daryl Ong and Ofnil Ting. Thank you, Hanif. Right, apart from the big news involving Microsoft's victory, that's also an exciting update on Cyberpunk 2077. Despite its troubled launch in 2020, CD Projekt Red has been hard at work releasing updates to improve the game. And now it seems that their efforts are paying off, or at least among the fans, the game has now achieved a very positive reception on the Steam platform. Recent reviews on the platform indicate that out of a total of 8,000 reviews, an impressive 86% of them are positive. This is of course testament to the improvements made by CD Projekt Red over the past year. In fact, when considering all the reviews on Steam, which number over 546,000, a solid 80% of them are positive. CD Projekt Red's Global Community Director Marcin Momot took to Twitter to express gratitude to the players for acknowledging the hard work put in by the team since the game's release. It's undoubtedly a significant milestone for Cyberpunk 2077 and the dedicated team behind it. Now that the game is in a more reliable state, CD Projekt Red is focusing on its upcoming major expansion titled Phantom Liberty. This expansion, set to launch on 26th of September, promises a new and exciting story for players. And the good news doesn't stop there. Fans will be thrilled to know that Keanu Reeves will be reprising his role as Johnny Silverhand in that expansion. That's right. And also, as mentioned previously, the main game mechanics will be overhauled during the release of Phantom Liberty. So for those who plan to replay it and get it ready before the expansion, it's best for you to leave it now and replay the whole thing again once it's out. Alright, from CD Projekt Red, we move on now. And if you ever relish the thrill of strategically placing archers to fend off hordes of foes or experience the joy of baking an absurd number of breads while fending off relentless Mongolian invaders, there's some great news for you. Stronghold, the timeless castle scene from 2001, is making a triumphant return in a remastered form. Well, Daryl, you sound like a true Stronghold player. You know it. But you heard that right, the upcoming Stronghold Definitive Edition is more than just a high-definition update like the one they released in 2013. It includes a brand new 14-mission narrative campaign where players embark on a quest to rescue Sir Longarm's captured kin across the war-torn English countryside. Additionally, a 10-mission castle trail awaits featuring renowned historical castles like Warwick, Dunotar and Muxburg. The beloved military and economic campaigns from the original game will also make a return, ensuring players face challenges such as baking hundreds of loaves of bread which peasants will promptly devour unless specifically instructed not to every single time. As a stronghold player, Daryl, is that true? Apparently so. The game also boasts rebuilt visuals using original source artwork along with remastered music. Also to enhance the authenticity, some of the original voice actors have reprised their roles. The game will also offer multiplayer functionality through Steam as well as support for the Steam Workshop allowing players to share their customers 
custom maps. Firefly Studios, the developers behind the game, have implemented various technical enhancements and quality of life improvements based on player feedback. Moreover, Stronghold Definitive Edition grants players the freedom to customize their experience by adjusting preferred game features and controls. Get ready to dive back into the world of medieval castle and strategic gameplay when Stronghold Definitive Edition releases this year on November the 7th. Time to jump on it off. Mm. Well, last but not least, Ubisoft has partnered with OWO to create an intelligent and advanced haptic suit for their upcoming game Assassin's Creed Mirage. This innovative suit aims to provide an immersive experience by allowing users to feel the sensations of the game's protagonist, Basim, as they explore the vibrant city of Baghdad. The OWO haptic suit features a patented OWO skin composed of gel pads and feedback devices. It utilizes electrodes to trigger unique sensations, providing users with a truly immersive experience that they have never felt before. Elements such as parkour and combat in the game will trigger corresponding feedback in the haptic suit, allowing users to feel what Basim is experiencing. Sounds scary to me, but the suit will offer a range of sensations, including freefall, dart, axe, dagger, punch, severe abdominal wound, and chest dagger wound, which are directly related to the gameplay of Assassin's Creed Mirage. In addition, the suit also provides other sensations like stress, strange sensation, fast driving, and even simulating the feeling of pushing heavy objects. However though, this advanced technology comes with a price. The OWO haptic suit, specifically themed around Assassin's Creed Mirage, comes at the hefty price of 500 euros. It's a collaboration between Ubisoft and OWO to create a remarkable piece of technology for gamers. Mm, only 500 euros to experience only. severe abdominal wound and stress. Sounds like a deal. Yeah. OWO doesn't limit their haptic suit to just Assassin's Creed Mirage. They also offer suit integrations with popular games like CSGO, PUBG, Valorant, Fortnite and a wide range of VR games ensuring enhanced haptic feedback for games across various gaming experiences. Well, that's all we have for this week's news. Back to you, Hanif. Thank you very much, Daryl and Ofnil. More than a year after announcing the acquisition of Activision Blizzard, Microsoft can now actually proceed and finalise the deal soon. This comes after the Federal Trade Commission of America lost their request for a preliminary injunction against the deal last week. The case is a complicated one with a lot of twists and turns, and joining us to help break it all down is Leslie Lim, a lawyer from Mao Inquai and Associates. Take it away, Leslie. Hi, Hanif. Thanks for having me back on BFM. It's always great to... I'll be here back with the listeners and uh, happy to speak about today's topic. Uh, Yes, exactly as you pointed out, I think to start off, it's important to note that this suit that we're going to talk about is in the United States. Uh, And so basically, we're talking about US law, US parties, both parties, all three parties, in fact, uh, are US-based. And so we're dealing with a US judge as well as US courts. So to start off, the main party that initiated the complaint is the FTC, which is the Federal Trade Commission. And they are basically a government agency that, you know, enforces federal consumer protection laws. So they want to make sure that there's always competition in the market. There's no monopoly or overdominance by one particular party. And if they think that there is, their role is to uh, investigate. Uh, they can even have uh, certain powers under the FTC Act. And in this particular one, one of their powers is to initiate this uh, complaint in the US court. Um, so just to share also with our listeners that we have a Malaysian equivalent. Uh, we have a Malaysian Competition Act and we also have a commission that 
uh, probably does something similar to what the FTC does. But I won't go into the Malaysian side because I know we're here today to talk about uh, FTC and Microsoft, uh, etc. Now, you hear me say a lot about the word competition. And I think one would probably wonder, why is competition important in this, you know, this story that we're about to jump into? And uh, I suppose in a marketplace, competition is always important so that businesses will always look at their prices uh, be incentivized to maybe lower their prices and at the same time improve the quality of the products, uh, whether it's goods or services that they're offering to consumers so that we, we the buyers and we the consumers will always have options. So have this at the back of your head uh, when we talk about this suit and all about competition. Uh, and, and how this all started is when uh, January 2022, uh, just over a year and a half ago, Microsoft basically announced that they were going to acquire the uh, Activision Blizzard, a well-known video game developer, for a whooping $68.7 billion uh, US dollars. Uh, and both companies are public-listed companies, and so the price was going to be at $95 uh, per share. And the deal is supposed to close at the end of this year, uh, financial year 2023, uh, but because both are public listed companies, they have to make certain announcements and they have certain requirements to comply with. And so Microsoft had to report about the planned merger to FTC, that body I was talking about earlier. And FTC, uh, upon you know being notified about the merger, commenced an 11-month investigation. And just to share with you the magnitude of, of this, uh, this deal, you know, this proposed merger, uh, the investigation involved almost 3 million documents and 15 investigational hearings. So I think, you know, those figures alone, you can tell how massive that was uh, an investigation for the FTC. And, you know, the, the investigation went on throughout uh, towards the end of 2022, November, December. But in December, what happened was FTC filed an administrative complaint in the US courts, in the county court. Uh, the district court, sorry. Uh, and this is under two main provisions. As I said earlier, we are dealing with US laws. So that's Section 7 of the Clayton Act and Section 5 of the FTC Act. And uh, there was a you know, fact-finding and discovery process which involved, again, 1 million documents and 30 depositions. It meant that uh, 30 witnesses had to be deposed for their testimony uh, and this particular proceedings even involved experts. So both sides called experts uh, to the proceedings. And the main thing that FTC was trying to seek in this claim uh, is they were applying for a preliminary injunction and a temporary restraining order. So what that means is basically they were seeking for a court order to stop the acquisition, to stop Microsoft from proceeding with that buyover of uh, Activision basically. Uh, so all of this has happened throughout this year, 2023. And just recently, uh, the proceedings took place over five days, uh, 22nd to the 29th of June. Uh, and so that's when the court proceedings were ongoing before the, uh, the judge. And the decision basically has just been announced. 
Mm, yeah, what, what I find quite interesting, if you have been following the case, you know that yeah, it gets very, very messy. A lot of like, you know, back and forth between not only just uh, between Microsoft and also FTC, but uh, Microsoft's competitors, um, Sony. Uh, oh and yes, guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I think it's the first time we're talking about it right now. But yeah, but if you've been following the case, you know that yeah, it's, it gets pretty messy. We're gonna, I'm gonna touch a bit more on that uh, later, perhaps. Uh, but but for for now, um, yeah, maybe you can proceed and tell us, you know, um, essentially. Uh, uh, what, what the judgment was. Yep, sure. So going back, if you remember just now, I mentioned two key uh, provisions and I don't want to bore everybody with the legal side of things, but I think it's important just to know the main two. So that's Section 7 of the Clayton Act, which basically prohibits mergers and acquisitions where in any line of commerce or activity, meaning any buying or selling uh, in any section of the country. So again, we're talking about the U.S., where the effect of the acquisition may substantially lessen competition or create a monopoly. So again, remember what I was saying about competition just now and FTC's role to come in and prevent such a monopoly or any sort of situation that can lessen competition. And so under this particular um, provision, the burden actually lies on FTC as the party who uh, put in the complaint to first prove uh, their side of the case. And I think we'll go into the, the details of how FTC uh, presented their case. But uh, let's talk about the decision because that will really help us break down how both sides presented their arguments. And the court issued a uh, opinion. Uh, it's a, They call it like a preliminary opinion. And it was redacted in some places. I mean, some places are covered up, you know, maybe confidential information that we can't see. But it is 53 pages long, lots of good reading in there. And in there, you can see that the court has actually analysed uh, what they call the different markets. So the court actually analysed the console market. Uh, the court analysed the uh, content library subscription services, you know, online content. The court analysed the third one, which is cloud gaming. And the fourth one, just the general geographic market of the United States. So these are some of the main considerations that the court um, um, was analysing. And basically, the conclusion is that uh, the court came to the conclusion that if this merger and acquisition were to go through, if Microsoft goes ahead to uh, acquire Activision, there is no incentive for Microsoft to foreclose Call of Duty. Um, so what FTC was doing was they were presenting a case that if this merger were to go through, uh, the first thing Microsoft is going to do is take Call of Duty off the PlayStation platform. But in analysing all of the different scenarios and the evidence and the witnesses, the court found that, no, it doesn't seem like it. So for, let's look at a few points and, and how the court came to, to this conclusion. Um, immediately when the merger was announced, Microsoft committed to maintaining Call of, du Call of Duty on the existing platforms, and even to expand uh, the availability. So Microsoft's, uh, you know, their, their main guys called uh, Sony and called, um, you know, to express Microsoft's commitment to enter into new agreements for the next 10 years and basically committing to maintaining Call of Duty on PlayStation. And there is even evidence where the Sony PlayStation CEO wrote to his mentor about the proposed merger. And I'll just read this out. I just have it here in front of me. So Sony CEO said this to his 
uh, uh, mentor. It's not an Xbox exclusivity play at all. They are thinking bigger than that and they have the cash to make moves like this. I've spent a fair bit of time with both Phil and Bobby from Microsoft over the past day and I'm pretty sure we will continue to see Call of Duty on PlayStation for many years to come. Imagine, Hanif, this is one of the evidence that's being presented uh, in court of what Sony CEO is saying to his own mentor. On top of that, Microsoft contacted Valve you know, to, to talk about how Call of Duty will continue to be on Steam. And very, very importantly, Microsoft even took steps, like we said, to expand the availability of Call of Duty. They called Nintendo to say that let's talk about bringing Call of Duty to Switch. So these are just some of the steps that were taken. But other than that, uh, the other evidence that was presented by uh, Microsoft is that uh, mobile content, because when Microsoft acquires Activision, one of the subsidiaries companies that they are going to acquire is King, which owns the very, very popular Candy Crush. And uh, apparently this was a very critical factor when Microsoft was you know, trying to come to a decision whether this acquisition was worth it or not. And uh, it shows that this is one of the main factors that they took into consideration. Um, Microsoft had witnesses uh, who testified consistently that there were no plans to make Call of Duty exclusive to Xbox. There was no intention to take it off the, the PlayStation platform. Uh, and there were no, no documents, no emails, uh, no chats, you know, to show that Microsoft was trying to negate from their commitment to Sony. Um, and so you remember earlier when I was saying about how the burden lies on FTC uh, to prove that, you know, there's going to be this monopoly and you know, competition, etc. But FTC had no documents on their side to counter otherwise, whereas Microsoft had all these documents and all these witnesses that uh, was in their, you know, in support of, of the position that they were taking. And I suppose when we look at it from a financial and economical point of view, it makes more sense for Call of Duty to just be available on various platforms for, you know, users to have cross-play uh, availability, uh, you know, that, that option available to them. And this, in fact, that cross-play option is going to be critical to Microsoft's uh, financial success. See, these are all the different layers that the court, uh, in fact, analyzed. On top of that, Microsoft even said, it's not going to do my company any good if I actually take a Call of Duty off PlayStation. All the gamers are going to be upset with us. My reputation and damage is going to be on the line. Everyone's going to be unhappy. How is that going to benefit me? Yeah, so if you can see the various points, you know, uh, looked at it from a technical point of view, financial point of view, even the uh, reputation point of view. And that's some of the main points that the court considered uh, in coming to its decision. So we know how Microsoft presented their case. We know they had witnesses and documents in their favour. But on the other side, even though FTC was supposed to bear the burden of proving the case, the main thing that they relied on was a testimony from Sony CEO. And, you know, when the court analysed this testimony from the CEO, the court found it unpersuasive. And it almost seemed as if FTC was in there trying to uphold the interests of Sony rather than the interests of consumers as a whole. 
because a lot of the arguments, if you read through the opinion, talks about how this is going to impact Sony, this is going to impact PlayStation, instead of talking about, you know, the, the whole industry or all the consumers as a whole. And the court, that, that did not pass, you know, the court did not miss that because the court, in fact, said that um, before the merger, a consumer wanting to play Call of Duty will probably have to either buy a PlayStation or an Xbox. But now, after the merger, consumers are, it's even better, they're going to have options because they can utilize cloud gaming to play on the device of their choice. And in future, this might even include Switch uh, because of that approach to Nintendo. And the court actually wrote this, perhaps this might be bad for Sony, but in fact, this will be very good for all of Call of Duty gamers and even future gamers. Um, so yeah, that's that's a summary of uh, the decision and you know the two the two the arguments from the both sides actually. That was Leslie Lim, a lawyer from Maui Kwai and Associates, unpacking the recent court verdict that was in favor of Microsoft in their battle against the FTC. We're going to make way for some messages. More after this. Stay tuned. This is Gigi Well Played on BFM eighty nine point nine. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. Joining me on the show today is Leslie Lim. She's a lawyer with Mao Wing Kwai and Associates, and we've been reacting to the Microsoft versus FTC court case that has reached its conclusion last week. The FTC failed in their attempt to request for a preliminary injunction, which means that Microsoft would be able to finally finalize the acquisition of Activision Blizzard. We're going to continue our reaction by looking at the moves that Microsoft has made throughout the acquisition process as well as during the trial. How much do you think this is also down to the fact that uh, Microsoft was pretty proactive in making sure that, you know, the kind of fears, the kind of accusations that people have made when the buyout first happened, that, you know, perhaps, you know, they're going to start monopolizing the, the market and also yeah. making it anti-competitive. You know, how much is how much is it is down to their proactiveness in making sure, in coming up with statements and, and assuring, um, I guess, you know, every stakeholder involved, um, including gamers that, you know, perhaps um, they won't take away certain games, especially Call of Duty, away from PlayStation. Yeah, I think huge kudos to Microsoft for taking all those steps. You know, I mentioned earlier, reaching out to Sony, reaching out to Valve, reaching out to Nintendo to talk about future collaborations. Huge kudos to them. And um, I do think they are thinking about the financial side of it as well not just thinking about exclusivity for the Xbox platform, but how, like I said, cross-platforms, cross-play, how that's just going to benefit the the whole gaming industry as a whole. Um, But I suppose from the legal perspective, uh, when a, a, a case goes to court, the judge makes a decision based on uh, the case that is put forth to the judge. And that, at the end of the day, boils down to two things which is documents and witness testimony. And as much as Microsoft did really well outside the courtroom to take all these steps and then support it with all the documents in court, the court found that FTC's arguments were just insufficient. Um, FTC tried to bring in an expert uh, opinion. They, They brought in an economist to sort of lay down the different figures, the analysis on conversion rates, and again, how this is going to impact Sony. And what Microsoft did, they brought in their expert who poked holes at FTC's expert. And FTC's expert could not rebut, could not say anything back. And so there you see when the court 
weighs the two, the court will then decide, you know, which one is more believable, which one has more credence, which one has more uh, evidence in support. And that's how the court basically comes to its decision. So I would say it's a combination of both. Microsoft, kudos to them. Uh, but also, I suppose, it's how FTC presented their case to court in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be too dramatic or focus too much on the drama side of things. But uh, apart from, from from the case, it's only based on, based on your observation. Uh, what are the more interesting discoveries uh, from, from the trial based on your perspective? Hmm. I think one is probably uh, a point that I mentioned just now is that it didn't feel like FTC was in the courtroom defending the interests of consumers as a whole, but more of Sony's interests because a lot of FTC's case just revolved around how this is going to impact Sony. Um, the fact that they relied only on Sony CEO's testimony uh, and things like that. So I think that's one interesting point. And I suppose one uh, fun fact is that the court ruling actually uh, agreed with Microsoft in theory that Switch falls under the console market. Um, so I, I don't know if, if some people are still debating on whether Switch is actually a console or not. But in the, uh, in the judgment in the, uh, delivered by the court, the court actually analyzed Switch in terms of uh, pricing, performance, content, and that's how the court came to its decision. So... Uh, for me, that, partic- that particular point was quite interesting. <laughs> so um, the FCC tried to, uh, I mean, following from, from the outcome, the FCC then tried to uh, file for an appeal, but that was, that was denied, right? Um, the appeal has been filed. Uh, I don't think it's been heard just yet. But basically, the, what is the repercussion of this decision? Um, and I'll, I'll just maybe break it down a little bit more. So this ruling that has just come out is the court saying that I'm not going to grant FTC an injunction and I'm not going to stop the acquisition, but the main antitrust suit still is still in court. Microsoft still has to fight the main suit itself. It's just that FTC has not succeeded in getting an injunction to stop the, uh, the acquisition. And what that means is that now Microsoft is going to try to proceed head-on with the acquisition because uh, Microsoft and Activision have an agreement in place that they're going to try to close this by 18th of July. And that's coming up quite soon. So I suppose they will want to get the ball rolling. Uh, In the meantime, I'm not sure if FTC is going to continue to proceed with their appeal. I've read that they... Uh, have a track record of not proceeding with appeals or not even filing appeals uh, because when we analyze the judgment here, uh, this particular ruling, I think there are criticisms on what kind of standards did the judge apply, etc. I'm going to a, a bit of the legal part of things, but it is a very detailed ruling. Although they call it brief grounds, brief preliminary opinion, 53 pages, it went into uh, a good extent, a good analysis of the different important aspects, which I think may be difficult to overturn on appeal. Uh, but of course, I don't have the benefit you know, of seeing all the course papers. I obviously do not have the benefit of seeing the 1 million documents that were, you know, that were submitted in court. But uh, this is based on a lot of the analysis that I've, I've read uh, and also based on just reading the ruling itself and how detailed it has been. 
Alright, so meaning that mm. uh, just to clarify, the deal can now happen, uh, um, but it's just that um, they will eventually still have to be in court um, against the FTC to tackle the antitrust. The main antitrust suit, correct. Uh, I see. But by then, likelihood, the acquisition would have been completed uh, and it's much harder for the FTC to reverse it at that point of time. That's why they wanted to get the injunction first to stop it. Mm, yeah. Right, okay. Alright, um, just to shift our uh, gears for a bit, uh, let's move to the UK because, I mean, again, I think different countries have different laws and mm. so the FTC versus Microsoft uh, Activision Blizzard um, case is uh, based in the US. Uh, over in the UK, circumstances are slightly different uh, with the competitions and market authority blocking the acquisition, right? Um, so, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, maybe we can give us a perspective from that, that angle as well. And also, you know, the, the different kinds of laws that are applicable not just in the both UK and US but also other parts of the of the world. Okay. Um, yes, you're correct. Uh, UK is the only regulatory authority that has not granted approval to Microsoft for this acquisition. And uh, earlier we we're talking about the US and the body, the regulatory body there is FTC. In the UK it is called the CMA, which is the Competition and Markets Authority. And the CMA took a position that uh, this uh, proposed acquisition must be prevented and must be stopped because they were very concerned about how the deal would alter the future for cloud gaming. And if you read CMA's statement, uh, it is very centered around cloud gaming alone. Whereas just now in the suit filed by FTC, if you remember the markets we spoke about, there was console, there was cloud gaming, uh, there was the content aspect and they were talking about the US market in general. But here, CMA was, uh, seems very concerned about cloud gaming in particular. Uh, they even have a whole section about it on cloud gaming concerns uh, in their statement. And uh, obviously, Microsoft wants to try you know, for this acquisition to be as smooth as possible. And what Microsoft did was Microsoft uh, gave some proposed remedies to address the concerns that CMA had raised. But these remedies were rejected by CMA. And for some reason, CMA termed it behavioral uh, and, and rejected it on, on various grounds. And uh, at this moment, uh, CMA is uh, originally was supposed to come to a decision uh, in the UK side of things. But I think they, they waited for a while to see what was going to happen in the US. And following this decision that has just come up in the US, the latest development is that um, Microsoft and CMA have agreed to pause their battle with each other and to sit down and renegotiate again. So I think, again, Microsoft is going to try to um, persuade the CMA that, look, these are all the different remedies. These are our position. Uh, it's already been established in the U.S. court. This is the U.S. court's ruling. Uh, these were all the evidence that were presented. I can imagine this is some of the ways they may try to persuade the CMA that... Um, they have no intention to monopolize the market uh, and to grant the necessary approval. So I think that's a, definitely a positive news uh, for Microsoft. They have clearly used the US decision to try and help them in the UK instead, actually. Uh, is, that, is that common? Like, like, can that happen, technically? Well, I would say that uh, decisions from other jurisdictions, uh, they are not binding, but they are persuasive. They're very persuasive. Um, and I suppose just a note for our listeners is that uh, Microsoft had to get approval from regulatory bodies from many different uh, 
uh, regions and jurisdiction and all the others have actually approved. So uh, EU has approved, China has approved, Japan, I believe South Korea and Brazil and a few others have also approved. So now basically Microsoft is in a situation where everyone has approved except the UK. And so again, you know, probably the situation is uh, very much in their favor and they're going to try to use that to persuade the UK authorities. Um, hypothetically speaking, if it's not in their favor, can they still proceed with the, with the main deal? They can proceed in all the jurisdictions that they have obtained approval, but not in the UK. Mm. Meaning the takeover won't happen there? Uh, I'm not very sure how they will work it out. Uh, and hence why I would imagine they will want to gain approval in the UK and then roll it out across the board. Mm. Uh, based mm. on the latest developments, do you think um, it's likely that, that CMA will also give in as well? I think that Microsoft has uh, many points in their favour that they can use to persuade CMA. Uh, whether CMA will be persuaded, I, I, that's not, an, not a question I can answer, unfortunately. All right, no problem. All right, thank you so much for breaking down everything. Uh, so I, I guess to a certain extent, uh, we can um, reflect on um, you know any potential long-term repercussions in the industry. Mm. Uh, like I alluded to earlier, based on the latest development, Sony has signed a ten-year um, deal uh, agreement with uh, Microsoft, um, and meaning that Call of Duty will remain on on their platform for the next ten years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, um, you know, from your perspective, do do you think that you know some of the concerns that were raised uh, by the FTC, uh, by the CMA, even I mean, if you want to like project long term, even though cloud cloud gaming is still in its infancy right now, um, oh. yeah, but but you know, if you want to project long term, especially taking into factor, yes, granted that you know some of the arguments made by FTC were you could argue kind of like biased towards just Sony and not necessarily the consumer uh, at large. But but, but uh, do you think that deals like this, um, you know, are there any potential long-term repercussions that we can, you know, think about in, in, down the line? Mm, long-term repercussions. I think first off, I would probably say that uh, notwithstanding this agreement that has just been signed between Microsoft and uh, Sony to... Uh, for Call of Duty to be available on on PlayStation for the next 10 years, I do think this acquisition is going to push and drive Sony uh, to be more innovative. They're going to need to come up uh, with something good, something great. They will be forced to adapt to market changes because I think previously when we talk about, uh, I suppose, console gaming in particular, Sony is probably the, the leader in that market. But now they have... Microsoft coming up probably shoulder to shoulder with them. Uh, And I think Sony needs to start thinking very strongly what they want to do in the mobile gaming market because they have not ventured very much into that area just yet. And this acquisition by Microsoft of Activision clearly signals Microsoft's intent in going in that direction. I mean, look look at us in, in Asia, Hanif. Mobile gaming is so, so, so popular. Is, is that really a target market uh, that Sony wants to miss out on? So I think long-term repercussions, notwithstanding this agreement in the next 10 years, they are going to have to start thinking of strategies, um, whether based on the current IP, you know, current intellectual property, current content that they have, or whether they're going to try and come up with new content. And even new content can either come from within or they can do what Microsoft did and go and acquire um, existing publishers as well. Existing publishers, existing developers. 
Mm. So that's gonna be, I guess, the pattern moving forward, perhaps, right? You know, because because Sony has has a track record of also buying studios, but Microsoft just has bigger wallet, I suppose. Correct. <laughs> well, but I, I think it, it remains to be seen, and I don't know, Hanif, do you think this is gonna start that new era of you know gaming dominance by one or the other? I, I suppose only time will tell. You're tuning to GG Well Played and I've been speaking to Leslie Lim, a lawyer from Mao Wingkwai and Associates and she's been commenting on Microsoft's court victory against the Federal Trade Commission of America recently. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on bfm.my. Our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also find our podcast on Spotify. Do share thoughts and the games that you play via our email, ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at bfmradio. My name is Anif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. This has been GG Well Played. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.